0: Coffee drinkers, bass players of the world. Bit of a rare one today with uh, the added element of video. So if you're only listening to this, uh, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast experience, you can actually go see a video version of this on YouTube. Experimenting a little bit with putting some longer form videos on YouTube. Plus the topic of today's podcast, I really kind of wanted to look in the camera and look at you good folk Um, while I ask you some questions and uh, sort of propose some ideas. Um, It's been almost six months uh, since One Way Out was released, my new album, my latest album, not so new anymore, and the documentary film that went with it and that whole process of doing a pre-sale. I want to recap that process a little bit now for anyone who doesn't know um, the Die Hard Coffee drinker fans will know what's up but yeah the the whole um, concept behind that record was to not crowdfund it it was not crowdfunded in any way shape or form but there was a pre-sale and that pre-sale did lead to bonuses for people who were interested and invested early in the project and uh, you know everything I'm saying right now may lead you to believe well isn't that just Kickstarter or Indiegogo or any of those things well no because all of those kickstarter indiegogo crowd funding crowdsourcing platforms require you to hit a financial goal in order for the for the project to come to uh, come to fruition and the whole point of of doing it the way I did it was to include the fans but not to put any pressure on there being a financial goal i was always going to go make the album uh, no matter what whether i sold one pre-sale or whether I sold a thousand, um, thankfully I, I didn't do e- well. I don't know how. Thankfully, I didn't do either of those things. I didn't sell one, and I didn't sell a thousand. But I definitely sold enough to the point where, for the first time in my career, I, I keep. I gotta know this number. I'll, I'll research that for the next podcast. But I think it's album thirteen or album fourteen. I've been doing it since two thousand and four. I've been doing it almost twenty years since Mystery to Me came out. Was that eighteen years ago? Almost nineteen years. So. I've been doing it a while and one way out the, the the latest album is is the first one that I didn't go in the red on it actually broke even before before it came out and then it it made some money on the back end not fortunes it wasn't retirement money it wasn't even an income you know it wasn't even a, a sustainable income uh, you know as an artist the money made from sales since, or although they sort of outdid all of my expectations and a huge thank you to everyone who was a part of the pre-sale and who has purchased the album since got to say a massive thank you for that because it's really important part of my life. And the fact that you chose to be a part of that is means a great deal to me. Um, and what i want to talk about in this podcast you, you, as you all as you will hear it means a great deal to me moving forwards and the sort of things i have planned for the future that i want to include people in as well so yeah it 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 exceeded all expectations which was amazing you know how you know i i don't know too many uh, I, I don't have too many examples in in my career where where things exceeded expectations also i try not to have Expectations. If I'm being completely honest, I try and go into it and just be concentrating on the music and and at the task at hand, at the passion, and let all the other stuff happen. Um, But this time, I let it all happen, and I did it a certain way, and it worked out, and it really, uh, it really made a lot of things possible. And the the subsequent short tour uh, that happened a couple of months back was an immense amount of fun to actually go play that music on the road and that is what we're talking about today that's what i want to do more of and that is what i have been given the opportunity i don't know through through circumstance and through um good luck i guess and good fortune we'll see exactly how good luck it is and how much good fortune i'm having once we book some shows in 2023 but i do have a booking agent slash manager um in Europe now, which is which is huge, It's something I never had in my career. First of all, it's something I actually thought I would never would have. Um, but what came to light in booking that book, bu- booking that last tour in August, was how much work it took just to get those five shows together in that one week of travel and five shows in a row. And I've talked about this on previous podcasts. I, I'm not trying to dredge up old material and go over it. This is just a preface for. The, the direction I'm going in now and why I want to talk about the album and the documentary film and ask for your feedback. That's kind of why I wanted to um, include this video portion of the podcast on YouTube so there is an element of communication and an element of conversation because you can go down below this video on YouTube, leave a comment and um, give me some feedback on, on what I'm about to ask you, which is... Uh, if if you are part of the pre-sale of the album if you've been fo- even if not if you've just been following along and checking out the story and seeing how um how I've been doing it and how how this new concept kind of came about new to me anyway not necessarily new to the to the music world you'll know that my my whole plan was to and something I've stuck to uh so far for almost 6 months was to keep the album it's not on Spotify it was to sort of keep it off all of the major platforms. The, the movie isn't available for free on YouTube and the album isn't available for free on Spotify or Apple Music or any of the streaming platforms. And what I am here to talk about today is how I see the future happening. And I thought the delay was going to be about a year and I'm here to propose that it is maybe a little less uh, in terms of releasing it, I, I talked about Spotify becoming kind of an archive, becoming a museum of the of the discography, um, but not, you know, all the focus being without all the focus being on a launch on Spotify or a launch on Apple Music. I want those launches, I want those, I want the the the, the public release of the album to be something special for the for, for those of you, you know, those people who got involved in the pre sale, for those of you who are really engaged in the music for you for, for the people who appreciate an album who appreciate listening to music in long form not in bite-sized chunks so that I think was accomplished for sure tons and tons of people got involved I had amazing feedback so I, I know that was on, on, on a lot of levels a great success now comes that balance point I'd hope to leave it a year Uh, until May of next year until I put it out there kind of as the archive thing on on the streaming platforms. Again, it's not about money. I'm not, you know, (laughs) I don't think anyone, anyone in their right mind is... uh is putting, uh, at least on my level, you know, I, I gotta, I'm got. i not Billie Eilish. I'm not Taylor Swift, who just released an album and became the most streamed person on all platforms in 24 hours. So I, I saw some crazy statistics and hundreds of millions of... What, that's not me. I've, I've got to be very re- realistic about where I'm at. So I don't think anyone in my position is really putting music on Spotify or Apple Music for streaming revenue. So... I, I like to look into the camera and assure you that this isn't for financial gain. Um, and why I'm considering putting it out there a little bit earlier than I had planned is to help raise awareness for the live show um, and and to be able to bring this music live to, to more people and to make use of this connection I now have with the booking agent, with the management company, and really be able to promote live shows. So, uh Yeah give me your comments below give me your feedback that's like the main deal of this episode of the podcast if you again if you're just listening jump over to the youtube channel and leave a comment below the video let me know what you think maybe you were a part of the pre-sale maybe you have you 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 know you're emotionally and financially invested in the in the project and you have thoughts and feelings on that i want to hear your feedback um simply because i had said yeah i was going to leave it at least a year before i put it on spotify and and threw the movie up on on, on publicly on on those streaming platforms like like youtube so i'm getting to the point where i see some value for everyone um in in terms of if you're invested in music and you and you dig what I'm doing and, and you dig the sound, then then perhaps you actually want to come out and see a live show. So I see some sort of value in putting that out there on the streaming platforms to help promote concert tours. So let's see. I that's that's what's going on in my head right now. Um again it's not for some quick financial gain or money grab or anything like that. And of course I'm still gonna if you want to self custody the music, if you're a fan of having MP threes or, or you know, the 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 digital version of the music to own that's always going to be available on my website i've long since um taken down my bandcamp page because what's the point you know i can do that through my website and not have someone charge me a 15% fee for that so if you want to own the music if you want to own the movie you can still do that that's no problem none of that is going anywhere um it just becomes a little easier, I think, and I've been talking to the to the booking agent about it, like, and we don't know, like, we, there's no decision being made yet. That's partly why I'm making this episode of the podcast, to put it out there to you, good folk, to you, the coffee drinkers, to the fans, to the people who, the the end user, um, if you will, of, of what I do it'd be really interesting to hear your hear your feedback and see where you're at on that. I'm sure there are going to be people on both sides of the aisle It'll be like, "Oh man, but I paid for that and it was meant to be exclusive and you know." And then there are going to be people like, "Man, I I really want to see the band live, so anything that helps promote that, I'm all for it." So I I would love to see, you know, where the ratio is where those two sides of the aisle sit in terms of numbers so uh, only you can do that only you can give me feedback so please do that please leave a comment below the YouTube video on this and we'll see we'll um, we'll figure it out either way no matter what happens um, gigs are happening that is for sure um, we're looking at <clears throat> and it changes all the time but the basic plan is to look at maybe a week in the spring uh, get some nice gigs together get a quick run I would also love to take my video guy with me on the road and get some beautiful, current, meaningful, honest footage of what we're doing live to be able to help promote future shows in the year. Um, talk to my agent yesterday and we, even mentioned perhaps doing uh a week in the summer because just because there are some nice festivals around so if we can put a few of those together it really makes sense for me to fly over to europe do some festivals nico and tom are close by um so it it, you know having a band in europe um really sort of makes it a lot easier and lowers the overhead um to do little one week runs like that and i i just can't be away From my family for that long. This uh, recent Bob Reynolds tour showed me that that was 19 days, and it was really the upper reaches of of what I could handle being gone, and of course, more to the point, what Chelsea could handle being home alone while I was gone with Lily. So, yeah, all of these things are brand new, uh, really, really new to me and to us as a family, and and we're sort of learning in real time, learning as we go, and the, the. the amount of time away from home has to be like super worth it if it's going to be anything longer than a week. So the the idea is to do a week in the spring, maybe now, as of yesterday, a quick week in the summer with some nice festivals. That would be awesome, you know. And then definitely like a solid two-week run, 12, 13 shows in two weeks, maybe 14 shows. If I can work the guys to the bone, i got to pay them real good for that, though. So let's see what offers we get. Uh, but a two-week kind of thing in the fall. And then potentially just a two-show thing in the winter. Um, I'd love to play the Novi Sad Jazz Festival in, in, uh, in Serbia. And, of course, the London Jazz Festival in London, which happens in November. Uh, so both of those things happen, I think, around the same week in November. So it'd be really great just to come out and play two festivals. One that I've played a bunch before in London. Uh, hometown festival is always nice to play London Jazz Festival and one I've always, I've never been to Serbia which is crazy because I sp- actually speak a little bit of the language I speak some Serbian I've been playing with Serbian musicians um my whole career um have a, a deep respect for that music um and for that uh, for for so many of the traditional elements of uh, Balkan music and I've played music with with people from Croatia, from Serbia, from Macedonia, from Montenegro, from from all over that region of the world. And I've never been to Serbia, so I really uh, want to try and make that happen. Um, I know there's a there's an offer in for, and I don't know how to how to pronounce this K R K Kirk, I guess I don't know. Uh, a, a little festival happening there in the summer in Croatia. So, and I've been to Croatia a bunch before, but never serbia so hopefully going to spend a little bit of time in that part of the world and uh, my agent is in my homeland kind of my old old homeland in Poland so maybe there's a there's some space to come to Poland again i haven't been there for a while i think that's not been since 2017 so yeah really excited to be able to streamline the process to have really experienced what it was like to book shows for myself, uh, with a family and with all those responsibilities and how long it took and how much time it took and just how optimistic I was that I would continue to be able to do that independently for the rest of my career. And then just how unrealistic that has become. So if I want to streamline that, if I want to make the most of my time and be able to spend the most amount of time with my daughter and with my wife, then, um, the 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 addition of really having a team of people, you know, the addition of a booking agent of a manager of that kind of situation is looking like one of the best moves I've ever made. So yeah, let's see. Let's see how it all works out. I'm I'm I want to be hugely optimistic. I am hugely optimistic. We've had some great meetings, some great talks. I think the focus is in the right place and and the intent is definitely there on both sides. Now it's just a question of can we all collectively make the connection with the right venues? You know, we don't want another repeat of of uh, Stockholm. We don't want another fashing situation developing because um, that was just soul destroying. You know, when when club owners and promoters and bookers are that they when they're assholes like that, it's it's really fucking soul destroying. So. um I want less of that. And of course, I'm not going to be the one interfacing on that. I'm not going to be the one hearing the rejections so much anymore. Now I have someone taking care of that. So hopefully that will also help my sort of optimism and positivity. Not that that's ever, ever waned. You know, it's never diminished. Like even in the face of that fashing debacle where they were just really dumb about it. What a what a stupid... If you haven't seen that, go check. It's It's on, you can see you can go just Google Yannick was out of Sweden. It's on YouTube. You'll find the video. I, I'll explain. I'm not going to explain it all again, but even with bullshit like that happening, I, my, my, my enthusiasm and positivity has never diminished when it comes to just when it comes to music period. I was going to say my, of course my own music and touring and that whole thing, but just music in general, I've never been put off by anyone or anything. I mean, I've been doing it this long. So that's, um, that's a testament to how how much I dig it and how much I'm willing to um, just persevere, I think. And that's probably the key (coughs) for, for everyone, right? That's the key for no matter what you do, no matter what your end goal is, it's the perseverance, it's being around longer, it's being able to picture the end result and have that in your mind, perhaps as already having happened. You know, I like to imagine that it's like i've taken you know I play a little golf and I've taken golf lessons before and and I never forget being on the putting green and and being told to visualize the ball going in the cup you know like you know i I guess that's that's a really common thread that basketball players visualize the ball going through the hoop you know I visualize it, there's there are two moments. There are two moments that are, are, aside from the actual performance of the music, there are two moments that stick in my mind on every gig. And when both of those moments are great, there's, to me there's no bigger motivation um, than that. And those moments are the 30 seconds or the 60 sec- maybe the minute, yeah, the 60 seconds before I walk out on stage... I guess and, and including like the first thirty seconds, like the reception, you, you gauge that room, you know, whether there's been an intro, maybe there's been an MC and somebody's introduced you and they've rattled off a bunch of things you've done and uh, this is your name and this is where you're from and you did this and that and blah blah blah. And maybe it's just a cold open, you know, maybe it's just the stages are dark. And there's no intro and the lights go up and the people see you and the band, you know, you see your band for the first time and that you get to gauge in that moment um, maybe how the gig is going to be, maybe what you're going to need to do to bring the audience with you. Are they like crazy enthusiastic? Are they kind of dead? Are they kind of like undecided? Is it a place you're playing for the first time? They don't really know you. Is it a place you've played a dozen times and they're just gagging for it they weren't they've been waiting for you to come back for years you know all of those things in that sixty seconds before you go out on stage and then like the fifteen or twenty seconds once you set foot on the stage and the audience see you that's one of the moments and then it's the feeling of when you step off the stage when you're in the tunnel when you're in the corridor when you get to the dressing room where, where, no, that depends where you are you're on an outdoor festival you just backstage and you still hear the crowd and it's you're outside and it, is, is there weather is it rain like all of those things that moment as well like you get that point of sometimes it's exhaustion sometimes it's elation sometimes the adrenaline is still rushing through you <clears throat> I talked a bit about it a little bit on the last podcast my sort of a dislike of encores. Mm. Sorry, I have to hydrate here. Um, yeah, my dislike of encores because I love to, I love to shape a show. I love to have a feeling for a show that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and all kinds of peaks and valleys and contours and textures. And just fuck that encore! Like, like I, when I get to the end of the show, like I want that to be the end of the show. I want to come out, maybe take a curtain call and bow and thank the... Really, you know, once again, thank the audience. Reintroduce the band, maybe. I'm not a big fan of going out and playing another 10 or 15 minutes after I've just done 90. And that's not like a, hey, screw you, you're not paying me enough money. That's not... not, Nothing to do with that at all. It's not an ego thing. It's not like, yeah, give me more money, I'll come out and play more music for you. No, it's just that, like... When you're in the middle of it, especially, you know, you got to put that into context as well, of course, like, you know, it'd be different, you know, my buddy Jimmy V, Maroon 5, like, that's kind of more tuned up, like, a band like that is more tuned up to do an encore, and maybe you specifically save, I don't know, um... This love, or Sunday morning, or something like that. You save a big song, and it's, it's a game. You know, you you let the audience like they you know they want to hear that song, and then you you don't play it, you don't play it, you don't play it, and you don't play it the whole show. You play all these songs, or you don't play payphone or moves like or one of the huge songs, and then they and then you drive them into a frenzy, and they're going absolutely crazy. But you've kind of programmed that in. You're kind of playing these songs that are exactly the same. But give or take, of course you you make arrangements and you 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 create a show. Uh, I'm not saying you just go out there and go on autopilot, but for the most part, 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 for the most part, when Maroon Five plays "Move Like Jagger," it's fucking "Move Like Jagger." It's the song. It's the, pretty much the same way, give or take a few minor changes from between tours, uh, from tour to tour. And then you then yeah, then it's more of a show, and then you're building into like then you really make the audience go crazy because they're like, "What the fuck? You didn't play." this love what the, that's the song you know maybe you know and, and then you know your audience and you have all these metrics and you have this data like you're in Dayton Ohio or you're in Boise Idaho and they've went absolutely bonkers for I don't know Sunday morning or won't go home without you or something you just have this like history of 20 years of touring and then it's a whole different thing you know when you're playing songs I think it's that scene is way more tooled up for the encore and then you could come out and that encore is so impactful and it's not like it's a drag because you're, you've, you've planned for that way ahead of time. But then, you know, in, put it in context, what I do and with improvising and with the kind of music I play, the kind of show I'm putting on, um, it's really, uh, it's not that at all. And so much is happening in the moment improvisationally. Um, that you cannot plan for. Like, I can't tell you how long I'm going to play this one pad that I'm going to create. I might let it go for seven minutes on Tuesday, and then Wednesday I might not play it at all. So it's just so, so different, the show each time. And managing that time, managing that music, and managing that, that um, ebb and flow of energy and communication with the audience is something that, that i put together in the moment i don't plan that ahead of time it's really gotten to the point where you know even on the last tour with tom and nico i was like i don't want to play these fucking tunes anymore like the the tunes tunes like the actual songs that i'd taken you know taken with me to some old shit you know like stern look and uh fresh star and urd and even the slightly newer stuff, like the last dance that we recorded on Bob's record, it, by the end of it, I was like, I don't need to play these tunes. Like we play free, and we play, we improvise better than half of these tunes I've written. So it's really a an a amazing. It's an amazing thing. I'm not saying <laughs> I am amazing at it, or. The, even the band, is it's just a, 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 an amazing thing to be in the middle of, to experience. It's an amazing experience. Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it's terrible. And, um, and and sometimes it's just the wrong place to do it as well, which is also a, a very interesting detail that I am aware of moving forwards as we book shows. And I talk very closely with the agent about the kind of venue I want to play, kind of show i want to play uh the number of people in the room um you know we talk about ticket price we talk about all kinds of things you know show length uh really really important stuff but musically speaking some of those venues are not right you know if i went to the i don't know i, I want to say if i went to the blu Note in milan where we just played with bob reynolds probably not the right place for doing the thing i'm doing right now it's not really that much of a listening room people are having dinner it's kind of loud it's like a boomy club but then Unterfahrt, in Munich, man, it's really intimate. And that room, uh, like, I think the cap is 150. I think they oversold it to maybe 170 when we were there. But it's, you know, even with 80 people in that room, it feels packed. And everyone's right on top of each other. And it's quiet. And people are listening. And they care about the music. And <coughs> that's the kind of thing I want to be a part of. So, yeah, it's been interesting trying to find the right venues and... uh and, you know, set ourselves up for success as best we can when we go out. Um, so, yeah. So with that in mind, uh, I don't know how I got into the, once again, the encore rant. Um, but that's that's where I'm at. Really looking forward to 2023. I have a little bit of Sidemen stuff to do. Um, I'm going to go out with Steve Smith on the east, uh, West Coast and East Coast. Two tours uh one in March and one in uh late June, early July, which will be fun. We're doing a new album uh the end of November, beginning of December in New York. Be five days in the studio, which will be super fun. Um even writing a little bit for that for the new vital information record. So no shortage of stuff going on, just uh, a new era of of time management and family management and um commitment. Management, which is uh, interesting, is challenging, and um, so far some ups and downs. But so far, everything looking looking very positive on that front. So yeah, again, give me some feedback about where you're at with uh, putting the album out there on the streaming platforms as a as a promotional tool to be able to point, uh, you know, not just not just audience members, but you know, the promoters and you know people trying to listen to what the latest thing is i want to have the most honest and up-to-date representation of what we're doing musically and and that that's it and unfortunately there's very little of that out there publicly so it'd be nice to to maybe push that out there the movie put it up on youtube and and the music up on uh up on the streaming services and again you can still self-custody that stuff anytime you like you can get it Buy it through the website, of course. Support what I'm doing anytime you like. That's always appreciated. Um, and I have all of my albums up there now, which is which is great. Uh, we go on the on the store and in the, uh, under the music tab. All the albums are up there for, for download. Um, something I've worked on over the, over the past a few months, getting all that stuff up there. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's a little more longer form YouTube action. Uh, twinned with the podcast the Yannick Wistala podcast um, let me know what you think if you, if you dig this and you're actually into watching slash listening uh, to your podcast on YouTube I can always just roll the camera every time I'm very intrigued about where the YouTube algorithm is going and um, how it used to kind of hurt you putting longer form things on YouTube and people used to have separate channels for their longer stuff separate channels for their short stuff and now it seems that all YouTube really care about is people watching and listening because they want to show you guys ads, which kind of sucks. But um, in terms of me being the channel owner, it's always interesting to see where things are going. I feel like I can barely keep up these days. Um, I used to be on like the cutting edge of, or at least I felt like I was 10 years ago, on the bleeding edge even of uh, of what was going on internet-wise. Now I feel like I'm a bit of a passenger. And probably need to hire a team of people to do it for me uh, way better than I can possibly do it myself. Anyway, that's it. Leave some comments below the YouTube video. If you're only listening right now, go over to YouTube and join the conversation. I'd love to hear your feedback on this, on One Way Out, on that becoming more publicly available. And uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out, coffee drinkers. See you guys and girls, bass players of the world, on the next one.